if you have your Bibles out. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the chair in front of you. If you don't have, uh, if you have a Bible on your phone, you're welcome to use that. I want you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to keep your finger there because we're going to spend the bulk of our time here in this book this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Will you bow your heads with me as, uh, as I pray? Father God, as we are about to dive into your word, Lord, we pray that you will open our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our, our minds to listen to what you have in store for us this morning. Lord, as we continue to grow as individuals and as a church, we pray, Father, that you will lead us in your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in a little town called South Lancaster, Massachusetts. Yeah. You know, the irony of it all is when you're growing up in a small town, you dream of going back go, or leaving that small town and going to a big city. Then when you grow older, you're like, man, that wasn't so bad. So as a kid, I remember we used to live on a house on George Hill Road, which is a stone throw away from the high school I had, Danielle and I attended. But we had a long parcel of land behind the house. And my dad decided that he wanted to plant a garden. Not only did he decide that he wanted to plant a garden, he wanted to compost. He wanted to recycle before recycling was a thing. And if you, if you have ever planted a garden, you know that it takes time. It takes your time. It takes effort. It takes thought. It takes energy. It takes patience. And I remember one, when my dad brought home this massive drum. And I'm like, what is that for? Not the drum that you play, but the drum like a big barrel container type like drum. And he says, all of the organic stuff is going to be put in there, and our, you're in charge of mixing it. And I'm like, sure. And I remember, you know, this was early in the spring, and, and then as the summer progressed, you know, if you've never planted a garden, if you've never mowed a lawn and, and, and taken out the grass clippings and deposited somewhere, if you've done that, you know what I'm, where I'm going. But as we deposited the organic matter, in, as I deposited the organic matter in that drum and sealed it and then turned it, as the days went by, it stank. I mean, to the point where I'm like, 
But not only did it stink, it was hot because of the fermentation and, and, and the process of decomposition. And, and, and I had to turn, and every time I turn, I'm like, whoa. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it in. And this was before even organic vegetables were a thing. Now everything you go into a grocery store, or this is organic. Or, or this milk is organic. I'm like, weren't they ever? But this process of, of, of creating a soil that is rich in minerals, that when you put it in the ground, when you plant that ve- vegetable, it produces a higher quality result. Vegetables are bigger, they taste better because of trash. Because of the process that that trash went through. So when we look at what Paul describes here, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 12, He's talking about the church, and please do not hear what I'm not saying. I've, I've stolen this line. I can't claim it. But do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not calling you or the church trash. We clear? We good? I am not calling you trash. But the process, though, is what we're going to deal with today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, we're going to talk about this, Okay? We're going to talk about the church. And before I read, I need you to be aware of something. That the word church in the Greek means people. Some of you may have heard this before. Some of you may understand this concept. But church in the Greek, it occurs 111 times. Why am I bringing this up? Because the word church in the Greek is a compound word. For English majors out there, you know what that means. For teachers, you know what that means. This is two words that make one. Right? These two words mean this. Out from among. Ecclesia is the word in Greek. Ek means out from among. And kaleo means to call out. In other words, it literally means a called out assembly. So a church, whenever you hear or see the word church in the New Testament... The Bible is talking about a group of people who have been called out because they are now designated as God's people. So when you say, I'm going to church on Saturday, it means that you're going to to commune with an assembly of people who have been called out, who have been called by God to worship Him. Because church is organic. The process of making church successful, sometimes it stinks. In both sense of the word. It stinks because you have to deal with all the stuff that comes with it. And it stinks because you have to deal with it. But I want to 
spend these next few moments as we look at the church, the body of Christ, as in, because the church is described as an organic entity. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. We're going to read it through all the way through once, and then we're going to start picking it apart a little bit. Hold on, buckle in, because it's going to, we're going to move fast. We're going to move fast because we have a lot to cover. All right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, all the way down to 27. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by, the, by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, and, and I'm not, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole, were, if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he has pleased as they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, and those we bestow greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given, great, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffers with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. It's a mouthful, isn't it? When you get into the, and you, and you start looking at this text, we get to see where, where Paul is coming from. There are some key points. There are five key points I want to take away from. We're going to spend our time with a couple of them, not all of them in depth, but there are five key points I want to take away from this text. First of all, members of the body are all functionally important. You are not here by chance. You were not put here off a whim. You are here because you have a purpose. 
We are here because when we talk about church as the body of Christ, we are here. We should have a purpose for existence. We don't just come for, oh, let me get my praise on. Let me pray. Let me check. Go home. All right, been there, done that. Sabbath is done. That's, that's not the Sabbath. Sorry to say. That's not what we are meant to do on the Sabbath. That's what, part of what we do because we give honor to God, but that's not what we are designed for, to simply check things off. See, we all have a, a role to play, even if that role is, that, is, is a role that you in, don't envision yourself in. That's exactly what Paul was saying. Well, what if I'm a hand and I'm like, I'm not the ear. I'm not going to be part of the body. Or I'm not the eye, but I want to be the foot. So I'm not going to be a part of that. Forget them. Will we have a body? No. You see, you have a specific role, and, and that role is, is, is there. Or, but you may be asking yourself, oh, Pastor, I'm not doing anything. Well, not yet. Not yet. Well, Pastor, well, I think I should be an elder. No. I reserve the right to say no to that one. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously. When we think that we ought to be something other than what God has already lined us up to be, we are functioning out of place. And this is one of, that's why members of the body are all functionally important. We can't function with, everybody was an elder, man, I wouldn't want to come here. I wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that. If everybody wanted to be a deacon, eh, a little bit better. No, but seriously, we all have gifts. We all have different functions within this set of organization. And when I mean organization, this entity, this organic body, this place that we call church. We are many members, one body. The second takeaway is this. There is an organic unity in the body of Christ. If you look at verses 15 to 23, there's a natural and an unnatural way to function. The natural is to function within your God-given abilities. The unnatural is for you to think that you ought to be something that you want to be, but that maybe is not your gift set. Maybe that's not what God has called you to be at this very moment. I was talking to my uh, former head elder in one of my churches this week. And as we were, we were talking, she said, you know, Pastor, I am done. I've done my time. I'm happy to sit in the background and, and do whatever it is that the, the church needs me to do. And we talked about it, and we reflected on that a little bit. I said, you know, you have already put in your time for what God has called you to become. And you understand that your time in that role has, not that it has passed, but you, your, God has not, is no longer calling you to that role, and so you're more than willing to take a step back. Sometimes when we get too accustomed to roles, 
and we don't take a step back to see where God is leading us, we may hurt the body more than if we were to continue to function as what we were called to previously do. That's the unnatural function. The third takeaway I want to bring to your attention this morning is each member has been placed in the church by God. He's in charge. It's not that he's in charge that you should say amen to. It's that he placed you here. He gave you that purpose. He has a purpose for you. You belong. That's why he died. See, verse 24 is really interesting. It says, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body. Here, what we see literally means God mixed together. You know, my, my daughter loves to cook, and she loves to invent stuff. So she puts a little bit of this, a little bit of that. She gets it from her mom, who likes to invent stuff too. And it works out for the, mo- mo- for ma- the majority of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. But look at how the psalmist illustrates this. You form my inward parts... You cover me in my mother's womb. You form me. Well, that doesn't really mean mix, Pastor. I know, it doesn't. But you f- follow along. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3 says, The ox knows its owner. Man, if you ever read this chapter, Lord have mercy, I pray that that is not our case. Because this is an indictment of God to the children of Israel because they did not recognize God as its creator, as its master. And so he's comparing them, says, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master, but you, O Israel, do not. Well, pastor, owner doesn't mean mixed. I know. I can read too. But when you look, if you study this word, and you, and you do a little study, what the, this word in Hebrew is utilized, owner, formed, there's another verse that I, I could bring up here, is the word bought. This same word is used to describe these three processes, but when you look at all the context of everything, this particular Hebrew word refers to a position of authority. So when God composes, it is like God saying, I created you, therefore I own you, I am your master, I formed you, so I should have the ability to say to you, go here, do that. But we don't like to hear that, do we? As parents... How many of you have ever heard, you can't tell me what to do? Have mercy. <laughs> it's those times like, what do, what do you say? It's like, 
I can't tell you what to do. I'm your father or I'm your mother. Sure, I can't tell you what to do. That's exactly what God is saying in this verse. I can tell you what to do because I created you. Those aren't aren't easy words to swallow. Because we think because, oh, I I can do this, but I want to do that. I think I'm going to do that. Hello? The ox knows its owner. The donkey, it's, and the donkey, here's the literal verse, its master's crib. But oh, Israel does not know, my people do not consider. How often have we not considered the actual will of God when we are striving to function to other, something other than we were asked to function. Oh, but there, there's another, here's another interesting thing. The word mix that we find here in 1 first, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 is only used in another place in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And it says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Who's them? The people, the children of Israel. Okay? But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. This is an indictment also to the children of Israel. Because the gospel was preached to them, they heard it, God told them, go forward, and they said, nah, we're good. We're like little grasshoppers. They're going to kill us. They're big and tall. They're giants. We can't do this. And we talked about this in Sabbath school this morning. God said, what? You can't? Okay, that's right, you can't. Because of the 40 days that you guys spent looking, searching out the land that I already promised you you would get, you're going to wait, rather than 40 days, you're going to wait one day for e- one year for each day. So the entire generation that left Egypt dies. See, Jesus' brother, James, understood that concept really well. Because when, when he wrote in, in the book of James, chapter f- 2, verse 6, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works see in order for us to really comprehend this concept when we looked at that god composed us god mixed us together and he's asked us to function in a particular way it's because you may ask yourself well god asked me to do this but i'm not good at it well god made you you think he can't equip you if God gave you this calling, you think he's not going to open the door? I mean, he, op- he parted the Red Sea. You think he can't 
open your mouth? I mean, he made a donkey talk. And I'm not even going to use the word the Bible uses in the King James Version. Or we'll make fools of ourselves. I mean, we, we have the audacity to think that, well, just because I can't do this, I, I, no, I'm not going to do what God is asking me to do. God has equipped us. He's given His church to just, listen, you are mine. You, I've called you out. I want you to do this. And to function in your God-given calling is as much exercise of faith as it is you believe in Jesus as your Savior. And so here, we come to our fourth point. There's an inherent interdependence among the different members of the body. See, you can't function. I mean, I can tell, my brain tells my right, left hand to go out and it goes. What I can't do, I mean, I, I can command these hands to, to work independent of each other, but yet they are attached to the body. But my hand cannot function by itself unless it's told to. It's connected. See, we as members of the body of Christ, we are connected. And if we think that we can function independently, you're not exercising your faith and you might as well be dead spiritually. Because if everybody decides to do their own thing, then we don't have a church. Then we don't have a body. As my son would say, you are D-E-A-D, dead. Which brings me to what I'm going to talk about next. Natural church development is something that, has, that I've done before in my previous district. The reason why we're interdependent with each other is because we need to gauge how our health is. Remember, we're an organic body, right? And as an organic body, we, we are either healthy or unhealthy. And so natural church development is an old tool that ministers have used for a long time. And Rick, I don't know if you used this in the past, but this is something that helps the, the, the church family, our church, grow. Grow how? Spiritually, relationally, experientially, and by God's grace, in numbers as well. So what is natural church development? What it, natural church development is designed to help us, and, and we're going we're to take an assessment. Not everybody's going to participate. There's only 30. Why 30? Because 30, when it's divided among the demographics of the church, it gives a pretty good snapshot of the perception that people have of our church. And there are eight minimum factors on this. What are these minimum factors? Imagine, imagine having a bucket, kind of like a, 
with slats rather than being a whole solid lining wall. But each slat is cut at a different length. And if you put all those slats and make it a perfect circle, the highest amount of water that that bucket can hold is equal to the shortest slat on that bucket. So that's a minimum factor. So if that minimum factor is your lowest, it brings it down. However, studies have shown that if you address, you focus on that minimum factor, it brings all the other ones up as well. And I can tell you it works. Am I saying that there's something wrong with our church here in Naples? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm, I am saying that we can improve. So what are these minimum factors? First of all, empowering leadership. It's not about just handing out the keys to the kingdom, but it's about making sure that the leaders who are engaged are fulfilling and engaging in the mission and objective of the church. Number two, gift-oriented ministry. You all have gifts. It's about applying those gifts. I know we have graphic designers, we have accountants, we have um, nurses, doctors. There's, there's a place for everybody in the kingdom of God. So we want to put, we're gonna, I'm going to put you to work. Man, I only got one. Thank you. <laughs> We're laughing. But I'm serious. Amen. We, we need your help. I, 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 I'm not going to do this by myself. I need your help. Number four, uh, three, passionate spirituality. Ellen White calls, she has a different word for this. She calls it ardent. Do you know what ardent means? It comes from the Latin, means to burn. It's with fire, passionate spirituality. If there's one thing that, that foundations did, is it ignited some of your spirituality. We need to reignite that again. And for some of you, it's been such a long time, you were like, how do I even do that? We're, we'll get there. Number four, functional structures. Meaning that we, the system, systems we have in place, the programs, even some of the traditions that we have cultivated in the past uh, are working optimally in achieving a well-defined purpose and objective. In other words, Nothing is being done just for the sake of being done. There's an intentionality behind it. Number five, inspiring worship. One of the things that I enjoy about this church, personally, I, I love our, our service structure. It may not, it's not for everybody, I get it. And that means that if I walk into a church that has a different type of worship style, I'm okay with that. But we have to be, one, intentional in our worship, and we, and, and we need to cause people to be inspired. So if we have to tweak a thing here or there, we'll do it. That's what we're called to do. Number six, holistic small groups. 
You know that we have one small group already functioning in our church? You know what that is? Sabbath school. But that's not the only small groups that we need to have. We need to have small groups being gathered outside. We also have another small group being gathered. I, I almost forgot. It's the young ladies small group. The young, yes, thank you, young at heart. They're all young ladies. And so if you want to connect with them, talk to Sharon. She's right here, okay? And guys, well, what about us? We'll, we'll relax, we'll get there. How many of you here have heard of something called grow groups? One, two, three. Those I have raised hands probably because I've talked to you about those. But grow groups is, is another way to describe small groups. But it's not just Bible studies. We have people here who have uh, expertise in crocheting, knitting, painting, fishing, uh, golfing, you can, uh, motorcycle riding, bike riding, walking. I don't know, whatever. Something that you can call people to come together and just fellowship. That's what small groups is about. That's what it's for. So we're, we're going to get into that. Also, we just did part of that. We did this week, last three weeks ago. Need-oriented evangelism. Need-oriented ori- evangelism is, is about us identifying what our community needs are. Somebody called me this week already and asked, hey, uh, there's a need in this type of community. What do you think about it? I'm like, let's run with it. That person has identified that role, that they're calling for that specific area. And there are others that we need to address. And lastly, loving relationships. You know, I've been to a church where they proud, prided, themselves, prided themselves in being a warm and friendly church. But yet when their pastor showed up for the very first time, he didn't get one invite to eat because he was by himself. Norm, I'm not saying that that happened here. What I'm saying is that loving relationships is that we go beyond our circle of friends, that we go beyond our, those who we feel comfortable with, but we begin to network and establish a real church, a unified body. Where it's not like, oh, Lo, good to see you again. Man, the last time I saw you was last Sabbath. How often do we do that and we forget that there, are, there is a life outside of the of these four walls that we need, can lift each other up to and for. Hey, how you doing? Anything I can help you with? That's what loving relationships is about. Hmm? Oh, it's being recorded. <laughs> this is re- being recorded. But thank you. So it brings me to my last point, the fifth point. The church is viewed as in organic terms. I mentioned I started out saying that when I was younger, my dad wanted me to be in charge of that compost, turning, garbage. But you know, you know what happens after you, 
you go through that process, right? Your garbage turns into dirt. Dirt with worms. You know what the functions of worms are? It's to open up roots or for the roots. Like roadways for the root of the plant. So it can spread and establish root. You see, my dream for you, Naples, for us, is that we organically grow. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen next week. But it can start. It can start to happen. Our board this coming week is going to discuss this a little bit more into further detail. You will hear some of you, and if you do not get a call from me asking you to participate in the survey, please do not be offended because it's by design. Okay, And it's not that we, I am trying to pick certain individuals. That's not it. But they can only take 30. Even if I gave one out to the entire church, they will take the first 30 out of the pack and throw the rest out. That's all they need. So we're going to start going, moving forward with this. When the results come, you will hear, you will hear about it. We're, we're going to make some decisions. And I can tell you right now, one of the decisions that I'm, I am making, and this is an executive decision that as your pastor I'm entitled to make, is that we are going to move forward in a way where it's going to address a need that we have in our church. That doesn't mean that if you don't fall in this category, you're not going to be used or utilized. It means that we are, function- we are intentionally being in- directing our efforts to a specific group of individuals. Those are the young adults. Young adults fall between the ages of 18 to 35. And that's young adults with and without children. Well, thanks, Pastor. I don't fall in that category. You know what you have? Experience. You know what I call that? Mentors. And you know what mentors do? They take people under their wing and develop them. That's my dream for you. I want you all have different experiences. In, in, in the very near future, you're going to hear about some of these experiences. You're actually going to see them on the screen, some of these experiences. And I pray that when God calls you to something, you remember that He brought you here for a purpose, that He gave you a task, and He's equipped you and has enabled you. May God bless you.